I'm Rachel Roberts, and this is Don't Sleep On It by HuffPost. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Oscar season. And in honor of the 91st Academy Awards this weekend, we're talking to entertainment reporter Matthew Jacobs to get you ready for the big night. Matthew covers film and other pop culture topics for HuffPost, and he also believes that Harrison Ford was his sexiest and working girl, which is an article you should read of his and a debate we can have another time because I don't know if I agree. Welcome, Matthew. <laughs> Hello, thank you. What's your favorite Harrison Ford moment? I, I think it is Indiana Jones. Hmm. I think yeah. he's, yeah. It open shirt a lot. I know mm-hmm. that happens in Working Girl. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the shirt comes off and everybody applauds in yeah, Working Girl. I mean, it's it, a great moment. It doesn't get more direct than that. <laughs> true, true. But let's get to the Academy Awards. I can't think of anything unusual or strange that's going on for this year's No, it's awards. a very calm, very tepid <laughs> Oscars. Uh, no controversies whatsoever this Not year. Not at We're going to sail right into February 24th unscathed. Yes. <laughs> uh, but obviously we're joking. I want to start at the beginning, which I want to say is the host drama. I would say it goes back even farther than that if okay. you if you really want to Please, track let's it. do it. I would say that this Oscar crisis began back in August before a host had even been uh, announced for the show or before hosts were even being considered, really. Um, and that would be with the popular film Oscar, as it was called. It was this new category that the Academy's Board of Governors announced out of the blue that would vaguely honor an achievement in popular film, whatever that might be mean. There were no credentials for the award announced. And the backlash was so sudden and so feverish that within a month, the award was canceled. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. They're just like, nope, we can't do it. Yes, yes. (laughs) And the second leg of that was, as you mentioned, the, the hosting ordeal, which just got crazier and crazier as time went on. Now that we're here, are you surprised they decided to not have a host? I'm not actually. I mean, all signs point to this being a challenging and rewardless job that nobody in Hollywood wants. Um, There's been a lot of buzz over the past few months about you know, people on the inside considering this a low-paying job. You and I would not look at it as a low-paying gig. It's uh, a, a six a six-figure paycheck. But uh, yeah, like I'm I'm available. Yeah, exactly. I will host. Yeah, I will gladly accept that rate. Um, but for a comedian or an actor or a talk show host or some of the folks who get recruited for these jobs. Uh, that's not that sexy of a paycheck. Right. And then you get beat up online the next day or perhaps for the next few weeks. And nobody wants the scrutiny and the preparation that comes with it. It's weeks and weeks of work in the writer's room. They apparently have had so many people turn it down, big names. And so I'm not surprised in the end after all of the Kevin Hart drama that nobody else wanted to touch it by the time it got through that whole cycle. Do you think this is the start of maybe we don't need a host? We'll see how this year goes. The last time the Oscars didn't have a host was 1989. It was an infamous ceremony that opened with an incredibly strange, baroque, campy musical number. 
um, involving Rob Lowe and Snow White. Yes, I have seen that. Yes. yes. I actually just rewatched it last night um, and I hadn't seen it in so long and really had forgotten just how ridiculous and random the whole thing is. And they sort of parade all these kind of old Hollywood stars onto the stage one after the next. And it, it just is this kind of lifeless, strange kind of grab for like showmanship that is just so just kind of out of this world. So and that's sort of, I think, seen as a touchstone of like what happens when you don't have a traditional host and a monologue and a more conventional bit to kind of start the show. That same year also did a very bizarre musical number with 19 Oscar winners of Tomorrow. And it was all these young stars like um, Ricky Lake and Corey Feldman and Patrick Dempsey, all of whom went on to have some version of a career. None of those 19 people have been nominated for Oscars, much less won one. It's so like the kiss of death. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> And they came out and sang and paraded and did this weird kind of Broadway-style number. So so that's sort of seen as like, this is what happens when you don't have a host. And, and we'll see what they come up with this year and how much it factors into future years. But they have to do something to make this gig more appealing to the average A-list comedian who at this point clearly doesn't want the job. Right. But that's just one of many scandals. What else has been going on? So the most recent fracas had to do with four categories that the Oscars announced would be presented during commercial breaks. So there are 24 Academy Award categories, all of which throughout the past 90 years of this show have been presented live during the ceremony. This year, uh, to juice ratings, because last year's telecast saw record low viewership, at ABC's urging, the Academy agreed to cut the telecast down to a tight three hours. Usually it runs closer to four, sometimes longer. And part of that initiative included bumping the presentation of four awards during the live broadcast. So those four awards they decided this year would be Best Editing, Best Cinematography, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, and Best Live Action Short Film. So we always knew these would be awards that didn't have to do with celebrities. They're never going to boot Best Actress or (laughs) anything involving a a beautiful millionaire. Right, right. Uh, You need those beautiful millionaires. (laughs) Exactly. So it would affect the so-called technical categories. These are sort of craftspeople who do super, super behind-the-scenes kind of stuff that you aren't really supposed to notice when you go to a movie. A great movie is well-edited, and you're supposed to not see the editing unless you're purposely looking for it. Right. So those are the categories that are seen as sort of easy to kind of relegate to the side, except for the fact that this caused huge disarray (laughs) within the industry. I mean, this got announced back in August and was sort of buried under the whole popular Oscar controversy as a footnote. So we knew this was going on a long time ago, and it was sort of whispered about for a little while. And then the Academy came out and revealed which four categories were going to be cut and kind of confirmed that, yes, this was in fact happening. And the floodgates opened. I mean, uh, the amount of disarray and the amount of stories that were written, kind of quoting people. I did a report with a, a bunch of cinematographers and other kind of craftspeople. And, and I mean, there were stories across the Internet and the, the tweets and Instagram posts kind of protesting this spanned the gamut. There was an open letter written, signed by the likes of Brad Pitt and Martin Scorsese and Spike Lee and people like Alfonso. Those beautiful Cor- millionaires. Yes, the beautiful <laughs> millionaires were, were, were rising up in defense 
defense of their their colleagues, really. I mean, it was honestly sort of the class implications behind it are so important to this. I mean, these are people who work for substantially lower rates than actors do. Um, they might make more than you and I do, but... <laughs> they're still doing okay. Yes, they're, they're doing okay, but many of them, some of them are working for, you know, union standardized day rates, and they're essential to the movie-making business, as Alfonso Cuaron, who is likely to win Best Director this year, and Guillermo del Toro, his great friend who won Best Director last year, pointed out, these are aspects of cinema that are unique to, or at least originated by cinema itself. These are not traditions that come from literature or theater or visual arts or any other sort of art form. Cinematography and editing are are the epicenter of movie making and to bump them from the ceremony is sort of egregious. And so the 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 groundswell was so loud that similar to the popular Oscar controversy. The Academy couldn't ignore it. They couldn't go on. Similar to the Kevin Hart controversy, the Academy couldn't ignore it. They couldn't just ride the wave until February 24th and leave it as is. Within a, about a week of having revealed what those four categories were, I don't even think it lasted that long, uh, they reversed the decision entirely. And those four awards will now be presented during the broadcast, which will now last longer than three hours as a result. Oh, I didn't realize they also changed the time. Yes. We don't know how exactly. Are they going to keep Keep it to a tight three and a half. Are they just going to let it run over, you know, as needed? We don't know exactly. But a source within the academy has said that in order to put the awards back on the program and include everything else that they'd planned, which includes five musical performances from the best original song category, and now a performance by Queen and Adam Lambert, there's no way they're going to be able to fit it into three hours, right, right, which I think right. any loyal Oscar viewer is fine with. Yes, I, can, I, w- I would watch it forever. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> okay, wow. I mean, that is such a roller coaster. It's been, a, I mean, it's an, a roller coaster is, is the best way to to describe it. It, it It's sort of insane. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to watch. I feel like it's going to be an explosive Academy Awards. I think so. I mean, it really points to an institution in crisis this year. They are a 91-year-old organization that is facing what every television broadcast is, which is dwindling ratings. People aren't watching live television anymore, and that affects the Academy Awards, even though they are the most watched non-sports broadcast on television year after year. So it's sort of a double-edged sword that they're finding themselves in, but it's very much an institution in crisis, and some change is going to have to be made to reflect that. Yeah, I wonder if, you know, what would the awards be without it being this very big live television event? Well, I I wonder, I mean, you know, obviously the thing that gets mentioned in tandem with this is that eventually events like this, everything will be on Netflix eventually, right? Or, Or some sort of streaming service. Interestingly enough, ABC is the network that owns the Oscars, and they have a contract established through 2028, well past the point where we can predict what the television landscape would possibly look like. Interestingly, Disney, ABC's parent company, is launching a streaming service later this year. So they have a, a direct avenue to push it onto another platform or to to sort of open the door to collaborate with some sort of streaming service uh, in conjunction with the live broadcast, however that's going to take shape. Obviously, we're years down the line from a total streaming situation with the Oscars, but it seems inevitable that that is where we're headed with it, which totally changes the tenor of the broadcast and the six-month-long award season. If people aren't tuning in live to see who wins in real time, 
how does the night unfold organically? It, it, it feels like the broadcast has to be, and the whole award season has to be totally retooled for a landscape where most people will be clicking play after the winners have already been revealed online. So it's interesting to see how movie culture will evolve with in relation to the Oscars over the next decade, really. It seems like there are major changes in store. Yeah, and I feel like we're really feeling the first like fissures of that this award season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's come out in small waves of the past several years. I mean, going back a few years ago to the flap surrounding two consecutive years of all white acting nominees and how quickly the Academy diversified its membership, um, to some degree at least, in response to that and sort of the effects that that's had, whether that has led to Black Panther being the first superhero movie nominated for Best Picture and a rare, predominantly black cast nominated for Best Picture. So a lot of kind of what started with sort of social upheaval and identity politics and and all of that has, has morphed into real business concerns with how a somewhat archaic, traditionalistic institution can survive in a sort of multimedia era, if you will. Yeah, especially something that's rooted in, it's 91 years, it's so traditional, and we're really in a moment where we're breaking traditions. So then it's like, how are we bringing that together? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, But let's get into predictions. Yeah. I feel like now I am the Academy and I'm relegating everything to the commercials, but I was just going to focus... Of course, of course. We, <laughs> yes. Understandable. <laughs> On best uh, male and female actor, best director, and best film. Yes. All right. So what do you think? In the lead Oscar categories, I think we're looking at a little bit more of an arms race. Best actress, I think we can narrow down to a really, really tight and fascinating contest between Glenn Close for The Wife and Lady Gaga for A Star is Born. Gaga was pegged as kind of the early favorite, and Glenn Close was initially seen as more of kind of, you know, The Wife is a small movie. It didn't have a huge audience. But Glenn Close, she's had several nominations and a lengthy, prestigious career and never walked home with a trophy. I think that she will, in the end, take it over Lady Gaga on that momentum of her almost an achievement award for her career at large. In Best Actor, we've got another interesting slate there. You've got Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. He won the Golden Globe, as did Christian Bale for for Vice. And Bohemian Rhapsody is another interesting case. It's there in the Best Picture race. Rami Malek could win Best Actor. But its director, Brian Singer, was fired from the movie for showing up late to set and for some kind of volcanic outbursts on, on the set and since has been accused of multiple incidents of alleged sexual misconduct and uh, has been virtually conveniently absent from the awards campaign trail for this movie. There's been a lot of strategizing going on for how to kind of talk around the Brian Singer issue of this movie and let the producers kind of take credit as the directors. Whether the Academy will listen to... Um, some of these sexual misconduct accusations and factor that into Bohemian Rhapsody at large, whether they will give Rami Malek the award because he survived the movie in spite of such a tempestuous set 
and that he plays somebody very famous, Freddie Mercury, and and does a a very interesting impression of of Mercury and and his. Um, <laughs> I love your use of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there was like a little bit of shade there with it's interesting. Not, not the performance for me, but um, but people love the Academy loves when famous people impersonate other famous right. people. So Rami Malek could win on that count, as could Christian Bale for impersonating Dick Cheney. Right, right, So right. that could go either way. The other interesting thing there that I think people might be sleeping on is Bradley Cooper's chance to spoil one of those say, two men. I was going to say, what about Bradley? Yeah. <laughs> My boy Bradley. <laughs> Bradley was snubbed for Best Director. Uh, and I think that the Academy could choose to make up for it by giving him the best actor accolade. Not only was he snubbed in Best Director, but A Star is Born, which at one point was pegged to sort of sweep this whole season, almost Titanic style, has really sort of become a second tier contender through, as the award season has progressed. And I'm wondering if maybe the Academy's kind of hive mind collective sensibility would want to kind of make up for that by giving Bradley the best actor prize, an, an award he's been nominated for a few times and never won, so he sort of has a similar version of that kind of overdue narrative going that could work in his favor, too. So I think it's a, a three-way race between those those three men with, with Bale and, and Malik kind of taking the, the lead. We'll see. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, best director, I think, is I think is locked up in in Alfonso Cuarón's favor for Roma. Though I I wouldn't be shocked if Spike Lee, another man who, uh, another person who, overdue, this is his, overdue, yeah, 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 this is his first best director nomination um, a- after a you know three decade career with with so much to his name, and all of that factors in in all sorts of ways to to the the best picture race. One movie that we haven't mentioned is Black Panther, which is not nominated for any of those other awards, but I think could win Best Picture in spite of that. Usually you can predict Best Picture based on the below the line categories. A lot of those awards like Best Film Editing and Best Cinematography, um, Black Panther would be the first movie since the 30s to win without an acting nomination, a directing nomination, or an editing nomination. Wow, I didn't know that. That's fascinating. It would be an interesting piece of history that makes it seem unlikely to win. However, Best Picture uses a preferential balloting system. How does that work for Best Picture? So it's very complex. Basically, the preferential balloting system is a way to shove out movies that get the most last place votes and ensure that sort of the safest kind of middle of the road movies are the ones that win Best Picture. So you have a movie like The Shape of Water, which probably fell somewhere in the middle of people's ballots. It wasn't their first pick. It wasn't their last pick. It was what's called the consensus vote. It was the safest choice in a year that had movies with more sort of hot button issues that might have turned off certain members of the Academy. I think factors like that, factors like the um, the Netflix controversy surrounding the distribution of Roma, uh, which some industry members are still sort of protesting in various ways as well, things like that can bump things off of people's number one votes. And assuming that nobody hates Black Panther, which nobody does, <laughs> right, right. there's a good chance that it'll get slotted somewhere at two, three, four, even number five on the ballot. And that could be a huge boost in a strange way, sort of like how... 
Donald Trump did not win the popular vote, but still won the general election nonetheless. It's not quite the same math, (laughs) but it's a similar sort of idea where the quote unquote popular vote is not the end all be all of the larger voting system. It's complicated. I don't yeah. even know whether I explained it that well. No, you did. I understand. Please fact check me at home. <laughs> but that's it in a nutshell as I understand it. So I still think Black Panther could be the one. Otherwise, it's pretty open-ended. There is not one definitive front runner, and it's changed, um, changed course throughout the season in a way that Best Picture doesn't always. Right. I can't think of a better way to end than that, like comparing the Oscars to the presidential election. (laughs) Thank you again. Thank you. (laughs) And as always, for the latest news headlines, head to HuffPost.com. Bye.